Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of March 9th through March 15th. Hope that you are having a wonderful week here. Um, recording this on the day that the sun is making a conjunction to Neptune and Venus is conjoining Uranus. So uh, lots of energy in the air today. Kind of a strange combination as, as, as I'm experiencing it in real time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you, any of you experienced this uh, on Saturday leading up to Sunday of this week or this weekend, but felt like a super drain uh, actually yesterday, like, like just a real lack of energy. And maybe that was the sun conjoining Neptune, like the, the sun being uh, the, um, the giver of life and vitality and Neptune kind of draining it all away and and trying to dissolve that. <laughs> so it's uh, quite an adventure. So we'll see what happens. And, and Venus meeting up with Uranus, kind of a, uh, I don't know, very um, oh unconventional type of uh, display, like, uh, I might, uh, like a very brightly colored bird or something like that. So um, it should be an interesting forecast for the week. So we'll see what happens. Lots going on this week, though. Uh, full moon. Um, forgive any of my my own Cancerian full moon lunacy that you may be experiencing with me today, but full moon is going to be happening on Monday, uh, the ninth, uh, at 19 degrees of Virgo, opposing the Piscean Sun at the same degree. Uh, so we're going to chat about that and kind of how we're going to manifest the vision that we've been working through as we've been uh, cascading through our imaginations. Um, this full moon is going to be trined uh, Jupiter and also conjoining um, Neptune. Uh, the sun is. The sun is going to be conjoining Neptune and the moon will be opposite. So uh, th this is uh, lots of themes mixed up with this one. Um, Mercury is going to be stationing direct at 28 degrees of Aquarius. So we will chat about Mercury and its improving condition and talk about things to do while you're uh, while Mercury is in better shape, um, you know, maybe your taxes. <laughs> like, so uh, that's one thing. Uh, the sun will be moving into the third decan of Pisces this week. Um, and we'll talk about the Ten of Cups, which has some correspondences with that position in the Zodiac. Uh, on Wednesday, the 11th, the sun will be sextiling Jupiter at 21 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. On Saturday, the 14th, Venus will be moving into the second decade of Taurus. Um, we'll talk about the six of pentacles. And then on Sunday the 15th, Mars will be sextiling Neptune at 18 degrees of Capricorn and Pisces. And the sun will be making a sextile to Pluto from 24 degrees of the same two signs. All right, so let's take a look at our chart here. If you are watching along on YouTube, and I'll try to narrate as best I can if you're listening along on audio only, uh, let's talk about our essential dignities this week. The sun is going to start out at 19 degrees of Pisces in the second decan of Pisces and move to the third decan of Pisces at 25 degrees. So move about, about six and a half degrees over the course of our week. Uh, the sun is said to be peregrine in, in Pisces. It doesn't really have any essential dignity, but it will be on the terms of Mars from 19 to 28 degrees. Of course, this Piscean sun is hosted by a fallen Jupiter. Jupiter is moving through the sign of Capricorn. It will be in the third decan of Capricorn, moving from 20 degrees to 22 degrees. 
where it is in its fall. It's sort of at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit more difficult for the vision to, to connect with spirit, and we may be a little bit uh, feeling the material reality of the vision, uh, which can be dangerous because we don't want to get too caught up in um, trying to expand our material reality uh, without it having been connected to a uh, more metaphysical or more spiritual goal. Uh, I guess I don't know if goal is the right word. We won't want to get into a, um, the mistake or the, the pitfall of spiritual materialism too. That can be a, a, another trap that we have to watch out for with Jupiter and Capricorn where we're trying to kind of level up, so to speak. Uh, and I don't really think that's how spirituality works. I think that it's, it's not about uh, all the different, um, oh, I don't know, ascending to some next level. It's kind of just about learning. I think that that's, uh, and, and accepting, learning and accepting, growth and decay. It's all a big cycle, right? It's, it's all kind of one thing that's flowing into it, itself. Um, and uh, Jupiter will be on the terms of Venus uh, from 14 to 22 degrees and then switching to the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees. Um, so, yeah, well, we're going to start off with a little bit of an easier curriculum for Jupiter when, she, when he's moving through the, um, the, the bounds or the terms of Venus, but then it might shift a little bit towards the end of the week and it may be, uh, we may have a little bit of a tougher teacher with Jupiter moving through the bounds or the terms of, of Saturn. We're moving into those final degrees of a sign where we always have a malefic bound lord, either Saturn or Mars as a bound lord, which can feel a little bit more challenging for that planet's expression. It can be a little bit more, it takes a little bit more work to manifest the, the oh, I don't know, the higher, the higher qualities of that planet. So something to keep an eye on. Saturn will be moving from... 28 to 29 degrees of Capricorn, gearing up for his transition into the sign of Aquarius uh, at the end of the month here. That is something we'll have to keep our eye on. Uh, it is still in its own domicile of Capricorn. It is in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. Um, so we're getting to the end of Capricorn, Saturn and Capricorn here, at least for the time being. It'll move into Aquarius for a period of time and then retrograde back into Capricorn for a short period before it moves uh, permanently in, well, not permanently, but more permanently into Aquarius uh, for its journey through the sign of the water bearer. And of course, you know, Saturn is still the domicile ruler of Aquarius. So there will, there will still be some Saturnian dignity. So we'll, we'll be talking about that as the weeks and months ahead start to click by. Uh, Venus. Venus is is in Taurus right now, which is a, a place that Venus likes. This is her own domicile. Uh, she's going to be moving from 4 degrees Taurus to 11 degrees Taurus. So we'll be talking about the second decade of Taurus as we head towards the end of the week here. Um, but Taurus is in its own domicile, right? It is the steward of the sign of Taurus. Uh, it is also the triplicity ruler in the daytime, so it has some communal support. Triplicity uh, dignity was, according to my astrology teacher, was said to be sort of of the nature of Jupiter. So it's bringing you some sort of gift or support or like communal support, like the wind in your sails. So Venus has a lot of support right now. She has resources. 
She has community support and she's in her own terms from zero to eight degrees. So she's able to set her own curriculum. So it's very easy to do uh, Venusian things this, this week. Uh, she'll be moving to the terms of Mercury uh, from eight to 14 degrees. So losing some of that autonomy and we'll have to kind of uh, answer a little bit more to, to Mercury uh, as we go over the course of the week, but uh, still a very strong Venus and still very able to bring about some of the, the most positive manifestations of and, and Venusian qualities. And those qualities are harmony, um, catharsis. This is something I've been talking about a lot lately since I've been listening to more um, authors that talk about ancient astrology and, and the planetary roles in ancient Greek culture. Um, remember, Venus was the, uh, the mm, what is the word? She was responsible for the purity of the dramas in Greek in the Greek theater. So she was like a, uh, somebody who was, I, I don't know, maybe you could even call it a, a playwright editor or a screenwriter editor. We're saying, hey, is, is, is the drama that we are putting up forth here, is it helping people to feel their deep emotions and process and purify them? Uh, Venus had a lot of uh, significations associated with cleanliness. So this is something I've been playing with a lot is, Venus in your chart, too, is maybe a, a point of emphasis where you feel uh, you, you are able to purge strong emotions. You're able to uh, cleanse uh, from the very depths of your being, right? Um, through ritual, through, through ritual, through uh, Venus was also associated with the goddess and like um, religious rituals, uh, whereas Jupiter was kind of like the religious rules, like kind of like... Uh, the orthodoxy. Uh, Venus was associated with kind of all the little things that we had to do to maybe follow those rules and, uh, and to worship, right? Um, so some things to consider with your Venus in your chart. Uh, it, another interesting thing to think about is um, I was meditating on this over the course of the last couple of weeks and thinking about how Venus sort of had some of the significations that we may associate in modern astrology with Pluto, with bringing things up from the underworld to be dealt with and purified and, and sort of a rebirth and transformation. Um, so I'm really trying to figure out now what role Pluto should have if I think about Venus in those terms as well. Uh, remember, there was you know two, two millennia basically of astrology where people didn't even know about the outer planets and didn't use it in practice. And had to find ways to express those archetypal energies with the planets that they they knew about and uh, with the system that they were working through. So um, I think uh, a, one of the beauties of recovering all of these ancient techniques is being able to see how people for not just for the last 100 or 200 years, but for the last 2000 years have dealt with some of these symbols. And I think that's very instructive because I think that that's um, I don't know, I'm a big believer in uh, things standing the test of time. And I really think on some level, we're really just still trying to figure out what the outer planets really mean since they are so new to our consciousness and to our ability to understand their cycles. Um, so I, I, I think of myself as still learning about really the nature of the outer planets. And, you know, I'm doing the best I can with the the literature that and the research that has been done. but um, 
I think that that's a really interesting way to approach those outer planets is with some humility that we're still being taught really what the meaning of those of those planets are. Um, and I'll be sure to share what I've, you know, discovered. But uh, yeah, that's the, I think that's the way to approach astrology in general with humility, right? And, and uh, always being open to new, new knowledge and new realizations, you know? Um, yeah, I just feel like when I'm doing these podcasts and these videos, I'm just, just a channel for something else that wants to come through. And I think if we take that approach rather than take an approach of we are the ultimate authority on all of this, that is a, that's the best way to do it. Okay, back to the Essential Dignity Report. That's my little digression on Venus. And I'm going to talk about the planets a little bit more in depth, I think, because that's really what the deep dive I've been doing over this Pisces season is really trying to get an understanding of the essential natures of the planets because everything, everything is really... Uh, the light bulb comes on when you understand what the planets are doing because those signs are temples for those archetypal planetary energies, the essential natures that they are trying to express. Uh, even houses can have some, some correlation with the nature of the planets due to their planetary joy. I have some thoughts on that that I'll share a little bit later too and some very new thoughts about it I, that I'm just still trying to work out. But, um, you know, some interesting stuff that you may find interesting as well. Okay, so Mars is going to be moving through its exaltation in the sign of Capricorn from 14 to 19 degrees of Capricorn. It'll be in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees, and it has dignity by face in the second decan of Capricorn. So it, is, it is, has a lot of dignity. Remember, exaltation, from my current understanding, is that uh, the exaltation lord is sort of like the owner of the restaurant or the owner of the estate where the domicile ruler is the, the steward, the one, the general manager, the person who is uh, uh, responsible for the day-to-day -day affairs of that temple. Whereas, you know, the exaltation ruler may be someone who has maybe final, final decision-making power, but is relying on that domicile ruler to take care of business. Uh, but that whatever, whenever we have a planet in its exaltation, it's very powerful. It's kind of like that planet is able to function almost at its very best, right? It's, it's not that it's at its purest, right, With, uh, which we may ascribe to a planet in its own domicile, but it may be functioning at its very highest abil abilities. So Mars is able to be the master strategist in the sign of Capricorn and, and use the will and have courage um, in a very measured way that in, in Capricorn being the domicile of Saturn is uh, able to be slowed down a little bit. Some of the, the qualities of Mars is that it may be like a, a sprinter, somebody who has uh, the ability to take action, but not able to sustain that energy over the long haul. And Mars and Capricorn could, could lend Mars some of that, that endurance that, that Saturn has. Saturn is the long distance runner, the endurance, the ability to do the things that are necessary that may not be fun, but are necessary. And this is kind of like our energy lately is, is our ability to um, sustain our courage and our, and our willpower towards building in the material world. Okay, so, and you know, this is a, Mars also has that quality of severance. Now, forgive me for another planetary digression in the middle of the Essential Dignity Report, but I've had some really interesting thoughts about this lately, and I, I want to go into a little bit of a sidetrack here for a minute. 
and just talk about the planetary joys uh, as quickly as I can without being too uh, flippant about it. But in traditional astrology, there's this concept of planetary joy, which means that the planets uh, feel mm, most comfortable in certain houses of the chart. And, by, and I don't necessarily mean signs. By this, I mean uh, angular houses or by uh, topical houses, right? And in this case, we have Saturn having its joy in the 12th house. Okay, Jupiter joying in the 11th house. Um, Mars, which we are talking about, taking its joy in the 6th. And Venus joying in the 5th. Now, if I just play this out, if you want to really see the other joys, you have the sun having its joy in the ninth, the moon in the third, and Mercury in the first. Okay. Now, one of the things I've been learning about as I've gone and done some deep dives, I've, I've had some clients recently that have been challenging me to learn about certain decans that I... Uh, maybe haven't spent as much time with. So I'm going back to my reading on the Deccans and I'm really getting some nice instructive uh, stuff from, you know, Austin Kopic and Aleister Crowley and uh, Rhetorius and all of these authors that talk about the Deccans. And one of the concepts I've come across that I thought was really interesting, and, and I've learned this on some level from my teacher, Achuta Bhava, in his class as well. I just recently completed his year two program um, which is pretty cool. Like I've been working with him for quite a while now and um, really learned a lot and really encourage you to seek out his material too if you uh, want to have a really mm, patient voice about ancient astrology. He's really great. And I've, a lot of the things I've, I've learned have just been directly from him and, and his teacher, Robert Schmidt and, and folks of that nature and Chris Brennan and folks like that. Um, just a lot of great teachers out there. Uh, but this concept though, this concept, and, and we think about these planets being associated with certain like daimons or deities or demigods or archetypal mythological figures. And one of the things I thought was interesting was we can think of uh, these houses over here, 12 and 11, okay, as being called the houses of daimon or the houses of spirit. Okay, which is associated with the sun. Okay, now we're going to be taking some leaps of logic here, so see if you can follow along. Also, they call this these houses over here, so these are the spirit houses, 11 and 12. And if we think about the sun, we think about uh, the illumination, um, the soul, uh, the one versus the many. Um, this was like kind of uh, when we talk about like zodiacal, the concept of zodiacal releasing and the lot of fortune versus the lot of spirit. We can think of spirit as something that we may have a, maybe p potentially a little bit more agency of through some of the our own actions, being able to command our, our own will. The sun, according to Robert Schmidt, had a commanding quality to it. Whereas these houses over here were like, were called fortune houses, and they had kind of the nature of the moon, five and six, okay? And fortune was also associated with the concept of 2K. 2K basically means fate, 
fortune. Okay. This also I'm going to call nemesis. And I specifically call nemesis uh, in relationship to Saturn. Okay. And 2K is kind of like the distribution of fate that is inconsistent. And this was, I was reading about 2K and nemesis when, it, when I was thinking about Mars and Saturn. And this is distribution of fate that is uh, more through, uh, maybe not really through our own actions, through just no fault of our own. We're going to receive either good karma or good fate, the distribution of something good, fifth house. This was called the house of good fortune. And the sixth house was the house of bad fortune or, or males tuke. Okay. And since we have Mars joying in the sixth house, I thought that was really interesting. Potentially Mars being a planet in our own charts where we may be experiencing some negative uh, fortune uh, in an area of the zodiac where we experience a separation or an injury, an illness, some sort of uh, something we have to deal with that is a separation. Whereas Venus is something that is given to us through no uh, particular action of our own, through really not through merit. Remember, Venus emerged from the sea uh, at, with just glowing phosphorescently and then was just given all of these adornments like... Um, she was given jewels and pretty clothes, and she didn't have to do anything for it. She just was, right? She was just her essential self. Whereas these planets over here that are associated with nemesis, daimon, spirit, these are merit-based. And I, I've been thinking about the concept of distributive justice, Jupiter, and punitive, punitive justice, Saturn. So these were called the, the spirit houses. Males diamond, right? The house of bad spirit and the one of good spirit, the 11th house. So we can think of the 11th and 12th house, I think, and these two planets as distributing justice that is due to us, due to our merits, our good actions, Jupiter. Okay, what maybe the things we learn, maybe the the good actions that we took out in the world, our integrity bringing us good fortune or bringing us the good things in life. And Saturn, Saturn wants to punish. Saturn is, Saturn is punitive, punitive justice. Punitive, <laughs> punitive justice. And it's punishment. And I, there's associations with 12th house, with prisons, with being punished for the actions that we took, for the, for the merit-based actions that we took, and maybe the lack of integrity that we had. And they associate the 12th house with Sisyphus, who is roll, rolling a boulder up a hill over and over and over again. And I wanted to look this up because I wasn't, you know, I'm not an expert on mythology, but I have some inklings about what they mean. And I looked up the, I was like, man, my first thought was, I wonder if Sisyphus is just being punished for something. And sure enough, he was being punished for like hubris, basically. Okay. And I thought that was so, so interesting because planets that we have in these 11th and 12th houses, I think may be more merit-based, whereas planets that we have in these 5th and 6th houses may be more random and maybe more like kind of just what we're being given. And I think that also we can think about that in terms of Venus and Mars being a little bit more 
uh, fortune-based, right? They are on the moon, the the the, uh, the sect. They are on the team of the moon, which is distributing fortune, right? And it's a little bit more uh, it's a little bit more randomized. Whereas these Saturn and, and Jupiter are on the solar sect. Okay, maybe there's more agency. And I and I'm working on just thinking about theory. Uh, I'm curious if those of you out there in the world who have were born during the day feel like you have more agency in your life and you're able to like take a little bit more action uh, for better or for worse. And are you experiencing the repercussions of actions that you took in your life? Uh, Or if you were born at night in the night sect, the sect of the moon, are you being asked to adjust to circumstances more in your life for better or for worse? Maybe you've been distributed something good and maybe not even really through any of your own merits. Or maybe you've been dealt a hard blow by fate and you've had to deal with the repercussions of that. I'm curious. I'm curious. And I want to see in the comments below, if you are a day or a night birth, if you are born with the sun above or below the horizon, do you experience this? Do you experience this difference? And I think that that's really a great jumping off point for thinking about how all of our planets are functioning right now. And I think it is very important for understanding our essential dignities too. That's why I wanted to take this little digression because I thought this was an interesting thought to explore. I mean, we've, we definitely studied this in my nightly astrology class. Uh, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and I'll give you another little insight I've been having since it's Venus Uranus day was I was doing some work with, with Libra lately because I had a client with some Libra stuff going on. And uh, they had a, a exalted Saturn in the sign of Libra. And it was talking about with Libra in that sign um, being able to kind of, it, had, it was about restorative justice, bringing something back into balance. And Saturn being kind of like not just punishment, but being able to restore something through our hard work. It's like bringing things back. It, it's, it, Saturn is exalted in Libra because it's bringing things back into balance. You know, it's saying, this is out of whack. What is the hard work necessary to, to restore the equilibrium that we need to have in life? And I, I thought that was really brilliant, like being able to rearrange the pieces of our life. Um, something to meditate on with your own Saturn placement. How do you bring equilibrium back into that area of your life? Because that might have been something that you were denied. It may have been a blind spot. It may have been a place of ignorance when you were young. And, and it, it may be something will, that will take work or will, right, to deal with. And with Jupiter, where are you able to develop your, you know, uh, illumination to bring about gifts that you can teach to others? Same thing with your Mars placement. Where maybe have you been dealt some sort of separation where you felt severed for something through potentially through through no fault of your own? And where in with Venus in your chart, where have you been gift, gifted something? And maybe you didn't exactly earn that gift, but you just it's just a part of you. And you you turn to that gift to purify yourself in times of need. So that's what I've got for that little digression, but I think just something very interesting and maybe I'll make a standalone video, but I just try to pack everything into these week aheads. I mean, this is kind of the, <laughs> the, the one size fits all. Like uh, I've done all this research over the week and I'm just going to, you know, I don't know, 
vomited all up at one point <laughs> during the week. So anyway, getting back to it, let's talk Mercury. Mercury is going to station direct uh, on Monday. It, it is moving through the sign of Aquarius where it has triplicity rulership at night. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs. It's going to be on the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. Um, so it's still maybe some still difficult conversations that have to come up. But uh, that being said, you know, Saturn's in really good shape. Uh, this is a much better Mercury than we had when Mercury was in Pisces, uh, at least a more, a more functional Mercury. And we, we hesitate to get into uh, good or bad judgments, but a more functional Mercury. And I was going to say again, like this is a great time if you uh, are thinking about doing your taxes or things, things like that. You've got a week before Mercury moves back into Pisces and, and the details get messed up again. So I really encourage all of you have to think clearly uh, if you're self-employed or you have to get all your documents together. This is a great time to do it before you may have to, uh, you know, be in a position where that's not the priority for Mercury at that time. Okay. Uh, the moon this week is waxing to fullness. Uh, it's going to be becoming full at 1.47 p.m. on Monday. Uh, so we are, you know, we've got this waxing phase and then it's going to switch to to a waning or distributing phase. So we're coming to awareness of something with the full moon and we'll talk about that when we get into our daily here. And, uh, you know, distributing the lessons that we've learned and distributing the things that we've made, distributing the, um, oh, I don't know, the wisdom that we may have uh, gotten from our deep dive into the Piscean waters and the Piscean depths. The moon will be moving through Virgo, where it has triplicity in the nighttime, uh, then through Libra, where it has uh, rulership by face in the first 10 degrees, the first uh, decan. And then it will move into its fall in Scorpio. And then it will have dignity by face in the second decan of Sagittarius. Okay? So let's get into our daily examination yeah mercury only moves maybe one degree this week or so 28 degrees to 29 degrees since it's very slow it's because it's stationing so this is a time where mercury is very slow and it's kind of like almost standing still in the sky all right let me get one chart here and we'll move a little bit forward so we can see the sun on the sun on the horizon Okay, here we go. So this is Monday morning, about 8 a.m. Um, we are coming on, on Monday. We're coming off our conjunction of the sun with Neptune and with Venus with Uranus. So you can see both of those things are now separating in our chart here. Uh, the sun was made a conjunction at 18 degrees of Pisces, and Venus made a conjunction at 4 degrees of Taurus. So there was very some important seeds that were planted on this day that I'm recording this as as we, you know, basically as we have the conjunction between Venus and Uranus is when I'm recording this. Uh, but it, really, I want you to pay attention to things that maybe bubbled up from from the from the depths of your your dream world. If you've been having um, any vivid or or uh, lucid dreams over the last week. Those those are important things to pay attention to. It's a, just a very powerful seed moment this weekend uh, for for the sun and for Venus and and for those contact with those outer planets. Um, so just just take notes because we're going to be dealing with whatever has started on this this weekend 
very prominently over the coming months ahead. And this is all going to be triggered really by this moon too. And we have these, these aspects happen close to a full moon. It's kind of supercharging things. The moon was like the, um, I heard Austin Kopic describe this as the, the membrane uh, that is allowing um, starlight to, to manifest in a physical form. And it also keeps things out. So it's kind of like the little, you know, our little protector, right? It's, it's, it's nurturing us, us as little, little baby souls here on this material plane. It is, is the cosmic mother, right? And the mother is responsible for what gets in and what doesn't. Uh, if she's, you know, monitoring like what kind of media that the child is absorbing or what kind of people that they come in contact with, it's, it's a protector. Uh, it's also a manifester. It's also promoting growth. It's that I still will stand by my metaphor of it being a, uh, a, the, oh, I don't know, the pins in a music box that are triggering the notes of the planets too. So it is, it is, it is both of those things. All right, so the moon, early Monday, is going to be uh, making a trine to Mars, okay? So you can see that we've got 15 degrees of Virgo. We start out with a Virgo moon, right, in the second decan of Virgo. And we've got a trine between moon and Mars, a very powerful period of manifestation. We're going to be talking about the second decan of Virgo uh, in this day because it's it, it really plays... Uh, an important role in our narrative, um, but let's just go through some of the non the the lunar aspects first. Sorry, the lunar aspects. The moon will also be opposing Neptune, so this these are some things that we're going to be uh, dealing with with our full moon too. These are players in the in the narrative, in the screenplay, in the script. Uh, the moon will also trine Jupiter. Okay, so it's trining both. Mars and Jupiter over the course of this day. Okay, first it'll hit Mars, and then when it gets much closer to the full moon, it'll make a trine with Jupiter. So the, those are all part of the narrative. Towards the end of the day, uh, in the evening, the moon will trine Pluto, and then Mercury will station direct at 11.48 p.m. Um, so let's talk about this full moon. And remember, I'll just say, my, what I'll say about Mercury stationing direct is, uh, I'll, I'll say it for the third time. Do your taxes now. It'll turn out a lot better if you do it now this week and turn it all in than if you wait until Mercury's back in Pisces again. Because really, we only have like a three-day window before taxes are due for tax day with Mercury and Aries. So I guess if you save it till the very last minute, that you know that might work out okay. But uh, you'll have clarity with with this Mercury, more clarity than you will in the coming weeks ahead if that makes sense. All right, so let's talk about this full moon. Uh, and we're going to see the moon become full. Okay, oops, I lost all my, lost all my drawings here. That's okay. You're going to see the moon become full right here, uh, roughly around 1.45 p.m., okay? And we see it, and a full moon is always in opposition between the moon and the sun. And it's a moment of, of revelation. It's something where whatever seed that we had been working on from the uh, inception moment when we had the new moon, and I believe this new moon was at four degrees of Pisces, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, conjunct the fixed star Fomalhaut 
which was the wizard poet. Uh, and now we're seeing a manifestation of that vision that we went off into the wilderness to find. See, we remember that the full, the, the new moon was, was uh, this eight of cups type of energy and experience where we were leaving behind something in search of meaning, in search of some sort of spiritual purpose. Remember, that was the labyrinth. We've been diving into the labyrinths of our minds, searching for that spiritual gold, right? To alchemize the, uh, the disparate elements into something unified. And when we see the moon coming full in the second decan of Virgo, this is the moment where the spiritual journeying, the, 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 the gift that we may have uncovered, becomes encapsulated into matter, into form. So you can think of this as like, I mean, 36 Faces calls it a suit of armor or a cocoon, right? So we we have something that is animating a physical body. And we can think of human beings like this too. Like we're we're physical bodies, but we're animated by uh, a spiritual presence, by an essence, by something eternal, right? We we have a, a impermanent body that will be born and will die being animated by an eternal soul, if you believe in that kind of thing, which uh, if you're an astrologer, it's more likely that you probably do, although that is not necessarily 100% true for everyone. Um, So we are protecting, we're trying to protect the delicate dream by encasing it and bringing it down to earth and doing the hard work necessary to make the dream real. All right, the second decan of Virgo was associated with the nine of pentacles. And in it, we see a woman who is in a lush garden. She's, she's done a lot of hard work. Remember, the first decan of Virgo was an apprentice who was working very hard at his craft. Uh, this Venus rule decan uh, is sort of about, um, oh, it was compared to a blacksmith, right? Uh, in 36 Faces, Mr. Kapik talks about Hephaestus, the blacksmith who does a lot of hard, ugly, dirty work to create beauty within the world. And he was married to Aphrodite. He was the consort of Aphrodite, um, the husband of Aphrodite, where uh, it's this interesting combination of ugliness and beauty, sometimes to create the beautiful vision. We have to roll up our sleeves and uh, pound something into submission, right? Like the hammer and the anvil, which is what his his name for this Deccan was. Uh, So this may be a moment where uh, you've gone into the deep, the depths of your soul and you've found a new sense of hope, a new sense of meaning, a new sense of purpose, and it's time to bring it into the physical world. And the the challenge is that that sometimes is going to be difficult. That is uh, it, it is inherent that the physical rules may be slightly different than the spiritual rules. We, we are dealing with qualities of imper- imperfection. We're dealing with qualities of time. Uh, we're dealing with needing to have patience because something does not, a seed does not grow overnight into a fully mature plant. Uh, whereas we can visualize the dream um, as fully formed in, in an instant. See that? In, in our imaginations, we can go from inception moment to fully realized, whereas when we're trying to bring something into being and, and enclose it in matter, that's not always the case. And we have to deal with qualities of decay, entropy, of, of the realization that what we build eventually will decay and will die. 
And that's a hard realization too. And that can, that can really um, be a difficult one to, to deal with as a human being. Now, uh, the other thing about this card is she's holding a falcon. And that falcon is like, uh, it's got a little hood on. And in, in falconry, falcons were used to like, uh, you know, catch, catch game. Um, but also this woman, it seems to imply that this woman has this ability to uh, protect the things that she is trying to grow and manifest through with this falcon. Like the falcon can swoop down from the sky and very efficiently eliminate pests like rats or mice or any type of rodent that might try to, uh, you know, disturb the, the beautiful equilibrium of the garden. So that is another thing that comes up thematically with this full moon is how do you eliminate the things that may be a threat to your dream? Um, and we have to be careful about that too, because if we get too fixated on uh, perfection and we get too fixated on our belief being the only belief, then we can get a little bit too, it's very easy, excuse me, to get kind of uh, dogmatic about things and seeing anything that doesn't align with our own personal dream as a threat. And I think we see, we're seeing this a lot in our political climate and stuff like that. And um, that's what we have to really be careful of. Uh, where our dream, hopefully, hopefully, whatever this divine creator is, has created the ability to have uh, multiple dreams. <laughs> like, if, if a creator is infinite, and a creator is all powerful, uh, there should be an ability to have a dream. Uh, everybody should be able to have some kind of dream, and they should be able to work in cooperation with one another. Now, that may be pretty idealistic, uh, and that may not be actually true on the physical plane. I think part of the part of the challenge of being human is coordinating our dreams with one another because we all have these beautiful imaginations, and how do we all bring them into into form uh, while allowing others to have their their dreams? And it's, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. That's why we have. Uh, that's why we have wars sometimes, <laughs> you know, crusades. We'll talk about that later as, as the sun moves into Pisces three, there's a definitely a crusader quality with that third decan. Now this full moon, let's talk about just a little bit more. It's going to be trying Jupiter. So I think that there's some support from Jupiter for manifestation of the dream, maybe from teachers or authority figures. Remember Jupiter is moving through the third decan of Capricorn, which was solar ruled. Uh, okay. Which is, um, it was the face of the sun, even though it was being provided resources by Saturn. So we, all of the hard work that we've been doing, maybe supporting this, this manifestation, this vision. Um, you have to be careful, though, that this, we don't have a, a power grab, okay? Because one of the things that Jupiter is working through right now is um, really wanting to expand on material power. And that's going to get really intense as Jupiter makes a conjunction with Pluto, uh, in the beginning of March, I'm sorry, beginning of April, April 4th is when that conjunction happens. We'll talk about that. As we move through this week, we're going to see Jupiter starting to make contact with Pluto. And when it becomes within three degrees, that's, I believe that's called a calasis, where we're going to start to really feel the connection and blending of those energies together. And Pluto is really going to amplify, uh, I think, that desire for power um, and that desire to expand on being the authoritative presence uh, 
and authoritative uh, master of whatever material domain that we feel we are responsible for. This may be a, a you know, really where we're trying to gain responsibility or gain, uh, you know, like a CEO mentality in our life. And you have to be real, real careful of that. Remember, Jupiter is in its fall in Capricorn. Um, this is not really uh, territory that is where Jupiter is at its best, okay? Jupiter is, it generally wants to expand our connection with the spiritual vision. And right now it's really expanding our, uh, you know, awareness of the material limitations that we are working within, okay? Uh, so that's the trine from Jupiter. Um, the, the danger with that is just, you know, blindly going for a power grab due to our own hubris. This is the, you know, hubris being like trying to build the tower to Babel, right? Trying to reach spiritual truth through some material means. And, you know, there's always a quote, there's literally a fall associated with that. Uh, I think that the wording of that is really interesting, Jupiter and its fall. And that's what could happen if we, if we get too attached to building the spiritual dream, you know, building the, the, the tower to, to God or to the divine through some sort of very material uh, way. Um, the lightning bolt out of the sky is going to come down and, <laughs> you know, uh, humble you. Okay. So that's the danger of this. Uh, this full moon is also opposite Neptune. So there, there could be some potential difficulty getting clarity with what, what the dream really is. Um, I, I, my personal experience of Neptune and the sun conjoining was feeling extraordinarily drained. Um, I, yesterday, I was trying to get through the notes to do this podcast video, and it was just, man, it was, it was literally like waiting through you know the ocean <laughs> like it was very very difficult and i think neptune has like a it from the literature i've read has like a dissolving quality it may you know we want to transcend physical reality and escape to some spiritual reality but that can make uh, our physical bodies feel very tired um, it can make us feel like we just don't want to build in the world of form and I definitely felt that it's been some heavy lifting to get uh, to get this out the door um, today. And apologize if it's a little bit late if you're expecting it a little earlier in the day, but uh, just a lot a lot going on. And um, I think we're starting to see the separation now between the sun and Neptune. So we may be gaining some of the vitality back. Remember, the the sun was the source of our vitality. It's it's what makes us. Uh, it's what energizes us. It's the what we are rooted to that is feeding all of these planets, okay? And when it is coming in contact with Neptune, it's kind of draining that. And so that's my experience of Neptune, my, my firsthand um, empirical experience of Neptune is a real drain quality. Um, so, you know, think about that, meditate on that, and really watch when other planets come in contact with it because I think it could have repercussions for other planets even if it's like a trine it may still drain some quality or drain some vitality from that particular planet on the flip side it may infuse it with a more uh, transcendent quality and spiritual quality too where you know instead of feeling physical vitality in our bodies we may feel just very strong spiritually and we may have a more internal experience so something to think about this uh, full moon is also trining venus and uranus uh, not as tightly as 
uh, the Jupiter and uh, Mars here, but it is still part of the conversation by whole sign. So there is definitely also some support. So this is almost like a grand, okay, grand earth trine. Very powerful moment for manifesting new ideas and planting these seeds, okay? Um, so my advice on the full moon. Uh, one of the goals that we were trying to achieve with the seed moment was how do we reconcile our, our vision with the reality? So there will be some things that you will need to eliminate. So be willing to let something go if it isn't really uh, essential for bringing the dream into reality. That's number one. Uh, be willing to get your hands dirty. Be willing to uh, deal with some of the imperfections uh, and not be um, blindly attached to it having to be a certain perfect way because that is just the nature of physical reality. It can never be as beautiful, as, uh, you know, perfect as what we can visualize it. Remember, there is a gap between our taste, our spirit, and the manifestation of it. And to get closer to the gap and closing the gap, it'll never be closed. Okay, this is what you learn as an artist. Artists, artists they really uh, straddle this axis very... Um, very often, I know that I did as a as an artist, and one of my favorite you know musicians, and I know that he's you know I'm going to separate out his personality with his ability to make music. But Michael Jackson had a full moon. Uh, he had a Virgo sun and a Pisces moon, and so he was straddling this axis of being able to be a visionary and being able to work very hard to bring it into manifestation. Now that has its own challenges, and I'm sure he had his own. Uh, demons that he was dealing with and I, i'm not going to make a ton of conjectures about what he did or did not do in his life but i think most of us can agree that as it, purely as an artist he was uh, able to manifest uh, a very deep spiritual part of himself into physical reality and that is something that as artists we do we're, we're doing constantly we're going into our imagination and trying to bring it into form and that's some of the frustration that we feel as artists too is when when we are able, we are not able to bring the, the vision into reality uh, close enough. I know this is a, a challenge that I had when I was making my album. I, I made a, an EP, if you want to check it out, it's on Bandcamp, Spencer Michaud. It's called Tightrope Walker. And I um, spent a lot of time really trying to craft the vision into something that, that matched what was in my head. And what was in my head was very complex. Like I just, you see how many details I have with just the forecast here, but musically I was holding myself to a, a standard set by people like Michael Jackson and Jeff Buckley and Freddie Mercury. <laughs> like I just, I was like, okay, who's the best, you know, most accomplished person in the field and how can I make my music or the Beatles, you know, like how can I make my music, you know, uh, as good as that? And, you know, it was very frustrating at times. And uh, at the end of the day, as an artist, you're never fully satisfied. You just have to say, well, that's good enough. And you just have to stop, you know, or you run out of money or you've alienated your engineer or something like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, 
yeah, I, I just, my own humble moment was, uh, I had a very, a patient engineer who at first was allowing me to sit in on some mixing sessions and, uh, and then eventually kicked me out because I was just so meticulous about it. And that's fine. He, it was the right thing to do. Nothing would have gotten done had I just continued to like, you know, micromanage the whole process. And because uh, that's the danger. I have Jupiter in, in Virgo and, you know, I, I sometimes will get some, I don't know, uh, micromania, I guess you can call it micromania, the exp- ex- really exaggerated uh, awareness of the details and that can that's why jupiter is in its exile there because that can that's not really where jupiter wants to be either but we all have planets that aren't functioning as well as they could so anyway that's my that's my uh treatment of the full moon you know try to reconcile reality with the fantasy accept the imperfection uh there was a word i think they that i've been reading says have have some detached satisfaction how can you become satisfied and say that's good enough Let's go. Let's do it. You know, let's move on to the next thing. Okay. Because sometimes per- perfection is the enemy of good. And sometimes perfection is not just the enemy of good, but perfection is the enemy of manifestation. And I can say this from experience too is if you try to make something so perfect, you may not end up making it at all. And that's a real shame because, you know, even if you get 80% of the way to your vision, there's still, I bet there's still quite a bit of beauty in that. And people would still benefit from that, even if it's not 100% of what you were visualizing it to be. There is some grace involved in that. And there's some humility that's involved in saying, you know what, I'm going to let the divine be responsible for the last 20%. Right? I'm going to let the god or the goddess be uh, that, see that beauty and that imperfection. And that's the concept that they have in Japanese art that makes it so amazing. I don't remember what the word is for it, but there's, they, they have this special term. Maybe somebody can tell me about it in the comments. Special term for the imperfections in the art and working with, with nature, they, the, the imperfection, quote unquote. But they see it as the beauty and the, the divinity of nature and the natural processes. And I think that's, that's something to think about with this full moon. Okay, moving along. The sun's going to be moving into the third decan of Pisces at about 10 p.m. on Monday. Okay, you can see here now. There we go. About 20 degrees, 10 or 11 p.m. right here. So let's talk about that third decan Pisces. Third decan of Pisces has a correspondence due uh, according to the Arthur Waite the Rider weight deck uh, with the Ten of Cups. And in it, we see a rainbow, with, and the cups are like in the rainbow and the vision, and these people exalting the rainbow, and there's these little kids dancing, and it's this very idealistic, you know, version of some kind of successful conclusion, right? This was called perfected success. And Austin Coppock calls it a cup of blood, which is sort of surprising at first. When you think about, when you look at that card, you don't think a cup of blood. What's that all about? Well, it's Mars ruled. It's a Mars ruled Deccan, right? It's still being provided the resources of Jupiter, but the sun in this Deccan is taking on the face 
of Mars, who is willing to fight for that Jupiterian jovial ideal or sacrifice for it. And that is one of the things that I think if we learn to combine these planetary natures, we're really going to have an understanding, a, a depth understanding of astrology. We have to really know how the pieces work first. We can't just memorize. That's why they don't like teaching the cookbook things in ancient astrology. They don't want to give you all the answers. They want you to be able to think. And this is what I really appreciated about all the folks in Project Hindsight is they were encouraging you to think and to make these combinations on your own. And if you understand how the, it's like being, imagine I've been seeing a lot of advertisements on Instagram for Legos lately and the, all these intricate Lego sets that you can buy. And they have all these pictures on the boxes of what you're supposed to build with it and blah, blah, blah. Well, you could do that. That's one way. You could follow all the instructions. You could do everything they tell you to do. Or how many of you had the experience of a as a child with just a random set of Legos, a bunch of different colors, a bunch of different sizes, and the joy that you may have experienced from just putting them together through your own imagination? And if you understand uh, the essential nature of each of those blocks and what they are capable of, you can make anything. You know, this is kind of like the thing with like Minecraft and thing too. This was, uh, Minecraft's actually pretty cool. You, you know, they're giving you the essential building blocks, but through it, you can create infinitely, right? You're not limited by the picture on the box. And if you learn astrology that way, if you learn astrology through its essential pieces and what they are actually trying to communicate, in an oracular fashion, right? It, they are oracles. Then you'll be able to interpret these symbols a lot easier, I think, and a lot with a lot more depth than if you just say, well, Pisces means this or whatever. It's, no, it's Pisces is, you know, has Jupiterian themes. This part of Pisces looks like Mars. You know, this part of this is this, okay? So uh, a cup of blood, let's come back to that. I think this is a decan from what I understand in my research of one of sacrifice, one of martyrdom, one of fighting Mars for the ideal, okay, Jupiter. And whenever we have the sun moving through a particular area of the zodiac, we all have a collective awareness of that, of those themes, okay? I think when we have Saturn moving through a, 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 an area of the zodiac, we have a collective ignorance on those particular themes, Okay. And, and same with Mars, when we have a collective, you know, Mars transit, we're seeing, uh, you know, a willpower being, you know, put towards that. We're also seeing some things where there may be some negative fortune we may, as, a, as a community, right? Uh, you know, same thing with Jupiter. We may be seeing a gift through merit-based things. Venus could be like, you know, fortune that is given as a collective, uh, through maybe not through our merit or through our actions, but just through our, our essence and our, our glow, our being, okay? And with this third decan of Pisces, I, I, the, the word that kept coming up in my mind reading about this was crusader, a spiritual crusader, someone who is willing to die for their ideal. And uh, this isn't always about a happy ending, too, that this can be one of the things I've been seeing is, is the emotional swings, the agony and the ecstasy are very wide within this decan of Pisces. We can, uh, we're not always going to achieve the spiritual ideal. We may wish for the happy ending, but it doesn't always work out that way in reality. 
And the, the crushing disappointment we might feel if we don't achieve that can be a part of this deck, and as well as the hope that we feel for achieving something or the ecstasy of actually achieving it. So I think it's both. I think it, it, it contains both, both of those dichotomies. Uh, I would say that this, the, the happy ending that we're looking for is a reconnection and emerging with the divine, uh, a, a coming home, a homecoming. I would, I would say that this card reminds me of like a happy family. Uh, and that homecoming is, is feeling reunited, which is one of the uh, significations of Jupiter in ancient astrology is a bridge, is unifying things, confirming things, stabilizing things. And in this last decade, there is a strong desire to come home. And in that home is reconnecting with the cosmic one, the, the cosmic mind, the cosmic uh, spirit, cosmic soul, the oversoul, if you want to use Richard Tarnas's, I don't know if that's his exact word, but that's his kind of the gist of it, you know, the, the cosmic oneness. And... I think that's what we're going to be trying to achieve as the sun moves through Pisces is how do we reconnect with our, with ourself and, and find unity. And uh, yeah, I mean, mystics over the course of millennia have been trying to reconnect with their spiritual selves because we inherently as human beings, we feel disconnected because we see uh, we've been cast into the world of duality and we see that, you know, we are uh, male or we are female or we are short or we are tall. We're, you know, of, of a certain demographic, and we are, see all the differences. And really the desire here is to, to, to figure out what, what unifies us, what brings us all together, what do we share as a species or as a soul or as a spirit, and how do we get there? What are we willing to sacrifice to get to that place of feeling like we are back in the womb again? Because, in, you know, we start off this in this body in this amniotic sea in this womb uh, within our mothers where we uh, are feeling connected. We're, we're a microcosm of feeling a oneness with the mother. And as we're born, we get shocked into the world of separation. We get this separation anxiety from the mother. And then depending on how we're raised, we either uh, are able to come back in alignment with that or we feel that the world is cold, hard, and cruel. You know, and I think that's part, all part of this particular decan. Um, I will say this. Uh, be careful what you sacrifice for. Right now, Jupiter is in its fall. And right now, Jupiter is in a position in the Zodiac that is very concerned with power and with administrating material, physical, tangible power. And I really want you to ask yourself, if you get on a crusade, what is at stake? Is what's at stake really serving my spirit or is it serving my material desire to be in control? And because that is a danger, I think that's a danger of the combination of these planets uh, in the positions that they are in right now. Okay. One last little note with that is that there was a story that uh, in 36 Faces about Pandora's box and releasing all the horrors of the world in, into the world. Um, but what was left was, was hope, right? So we have to get in touch with, uh, even if we are experiencing some of the most horrific things that we can as human beings, we have to stay connected to that hope, right? 
Uh, and that may be part of our mission as the sun moves through Pisces, as we get ready to have another um, birth moment at the spring equinox, as we come into separation, awareness of separation from the womb. So we may be really going into the womb for the last 10 degrees of Pisces, getting ready to be born, right? Because Mars, that's a Mars world sign. Aries is a Mars world. It's Mars severs, Mars cuts. Mars gives us an awareness of our, of our uniqueness as an individual person, maybe still connected to the collective, but really that area of the zodiac is all about separating from the womb. Okay. Just as a seed will emerge from the from the darkness of the ground and, and split the casing and become a plant, right? Become an, an individual plant. Okay, so that is Pisces three. Pretty interesting stuff, man. I love this. I love it. I'll tell you what, thank you, Austin Kopic, for your hard work on that, because I'll tell you what, not only are you a brilliant writer, but just the research that was done has really made my practice have a lot more depth. And, and thank you to all the teachers I've had, Achuta Bhava, Chris Brennan, Robert Schmidt, may you rest in peace, you know, all the Project Hindsight people. Uh, it's really just a gift to be able to kind of just be in this lineage of, um, or just st standing at the, sitting at the feet of these great minds, you know. And being able to just spread spread the word and have them challenge you or challenge me or challenge us to think independently. I think that's what I love about my teachers right now is they're challenging me to try to create independent thoughts, uh, especially Schmidt, uh, and use the disparate pieces to come up with new new ideas. And I think that's really the... If you're going to, like I said, if you're going to practice astrology well, you're going to have to get in touch with that, that type of thinking, dialectical thinking, okay? All right, let's move forward. <laughs> this is going to be another long one. The deep dive in keeps on happening. Let's go to Tuesday. All right, Tuesday, March 10th. Moon's going to move into Libra at 6.02 a.m., still moving through the full moon phase. Um, the moon is going to trine Saturn uh, before it moves into Libra, okay? So there's going to be a, some sort of contact with, the, possibly with our limitations, but, but being able to work within them in a positive way. Perhaps when we have a positive connection or a trine with the moon and Saturn, this is, this is that concept of restoring equilibrium. We may feel uh, an ability to rearrange the pieces um, due to an awareness of what wasn't working, okay? I think that's part of Saturn's mission uh, from what I understand now. At 6.02 a.m., the moon will move into Libra. And one of the things that happens on Tuesday at 2 p.m., let's go to 2 p.m. because I want to show you this. This is kind of neat. At 2 p.m., there is something called the moon escaping from the bond. And what that means is that the moon is moving away from its opposition from the sun by 15 degrees. And the moon was said to be under the bond when it was within 15 degrees of either side of a conjunction with the sun or either side of an opposition. And that's when the moon was kind of held captive. It's, 
it's like when when a planet is going into the under the beams or into the furnace of the sun it's weakened it's overshadowed things are hidden so th some things with this full moon may may be hidden from the light of day until it escapes the bond at five degrees now the first aspect that the, the moon makes when it escapes the bond is important to ancient astrologers and the first aspect that the moon makes is a square with mars at 16 degrees so what does that mean well to me like well to me and to a lot of the ancient authors that can really color our experience of of a moon phase and if it if it comes in contact with a benefic we may experience that more positively if it makes contact with a malefic planet like saturn or mars we may have more of a negative experience now remember mars is the severing quality and i'm going to guess i'm going to use my uh, my lego mind I mean, that's my phrase now. Use your Lego mind, okay? Use your Lego mind to figure it out. And uh, we're going to use our Lego minds here to, to, to unravel this. And here we have the moon is going to be at 16 degrees of Libra eventually and 16 degrees of Capricorn Mars. At 16 degrees of Libra, we have the card uh, the Three of Swords, which is about separations and relationships. Uh, Mars is going to be at 16 degrees of Capricorn, which is the three of pentacles, uh, which is about planning. So there may be a, a disagreement about how to manifest the vision. And, and a, where you thought you had support in a relationship, there may be some kind of se severance or separation. And that may be painful. Um, a lot of the times when we're trying to manifest a vision, we need support. We can't do it all, all on our own. One of the things, going back to Michael Jackson for a minute, we think of Michael Jackson as this, this singular you know, entity sometimes, uh, just in awe of his individuality. But Michael Jackson had a Quincy Jones uh, producer that was helping him bring the vision into manifestation. Incidentally, Quincy Jones was a Pisces, okay? So like, uh, you know, he, was, he was quite the visionary. He was able to really manifest the dream, and Michael was almost his instrument of manifestation, okay? So, uh, and, and there was a whole team behind all of those people, all of those stars. Had a really good class with um, my teacher uh, over last week, too, and he was giving us some practical advice about being professional astrologers, and as his practice has grown, he's had to hire some help, right? He's had to uh, get a, like a personal assistant to help him do stuff. So when you see his work, uh, it is, yes, he is creating a lot of all the, the content, but he had, now he has some help to distribute the content, right? Now he has a team and he has, uh, uh, now he has the ability to do more because of um, that support that he is receiving, right? And that's true for anyone who's trying to do anything great or trying to, manifest a dream is sometimes we need to team up and with this moon making contact with mars it might there might be some challenges that we have to work through doesn't mean that we can't doesn't mean that we can't come to some consensus uh it just means that there will probably be some friction and there may be some disagreement about how to enact the plan and what do we do with the moon in libra we need to use our qualities of grace we need to use venus to create some sort of consensus and harmony. And with Venus and Taurus here, the quality that is going to be necessary is patience. 
You have to have patience with the people that you work with. You have to realize that you can't manifest the vision all at once and that you have to, you know, do use consistent effort over time. And we'll talk about that with Venus moving in the second decade of Taurus, but consistency and showing up every day and doing just the amount necessary to move the project forward rather than just one burst of energy, I think is, is the way to go about this. Okay. So that is moon escaping from the bond. Let's move on to Wednesday because those are the, that's the only aspects we have for this day. On Wednesday, the 11th, at about 8 o'clock in the morning, the moon will square Mars, right? So there, there you can see the peak of that moon escaping the bond thing. Okay, so we may be experiencing the buildup of this on Tuesday night and starting to move past it Wednesday morning. All right. Uh, the next aspect we have is the sun is going to be sextiling Jupiter from 21 degrees of Pisces to 21 Cap. Capricorn. Me and, me and Capricorn are on nickname basis now. You know, 21 Cap. <laughs> Sorry, Saturn. I'll try to be more formal next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll unpack that. Um, and then the moon will be making a square to Jupiter at 3.48 p.m. from 21 degrees of Libra to 21 Capricorn. And then it will be squaring Pluto at 8.40 p.m. Okay, so Wednesday could be a difficult day. Wednesday could be a day that we're, you know, we really become awareness of the the lack of agreement that we may have from maybe some partners in our life or some people that we need to work with in our life in some, some way. And that's going to bring up, that could bring up some real feelings of uh, isolation. It could bring up some challenges on how we're administrating our lives uh, with the fourth, I'm sorry, the third decan of Libra and the third decan of Capricorn. In the third decan of Libra, we see uh, the four of swords, a, a person at rest. So one of the things that you may need to, to consider is to maybe just take a time out to try to restore peace. This is, this is one of the things that I came across in my studies this week, especially with a client I was working with, was uh, how can we be the calm within the storm? So this may be what is required of you is you're not going to be able to fix everything all at once. But you have to find that, that peaceful place within yourself and start to rearrange the pieces one step at a time, like a, like a gyroscope. Okay, This is the image given in 36 Faces for the, the third decade of Libra. It's like finding a point of balance between all these spinning wheels. Okay, So how do you find your balance point uh, with all the spinning wheels of your life? And that may be something we're experiencing on Wednesday. Now, let's talk a little bit about the sun sextiling Jupiter. Okay. So here we're dealing with third decan Capricorn and the third decan of Pisces. Now, a couple things to notice. First of all, Jupiter is the host of Pisces. So Jupiter is in a positive sextile of the nature of Venus. with its host, right? The sun is, is getting, uh, is having a supportive conversation with the figure that is responsible for providing it with what it needs. 
So let's just, that's what we're starting off with. This is a, a positive flowing aspect between the two of the nature of Venus. So something may be given uh, with this aspect. Okay, this may be a gift that you may not have necessarily earned. Maybe like if I, if I extrapolate out my previous thoughts, if sextiles are of the nature of Venus, this may be just some support that is just some good fortune that comes your way. That's what I think about sextiles now. This is just some, some good stuff that may be coming your way. It's not like you did anything great to get it. It's, you just, it's like a, you just had to glow with your eternal you know, phosphorescent self. Whereas maybe trines, maybe when we see a trine between the planet, those are merit-based. Perhaps if those are trines are of the nature of Jupiter due to the placement of those planets in the Thema Mundi, perhaps trines are, are some of the results of some of the positive actions that we took out in the world. Okay? And if we take that even a step further, maybe oppositions are punitive. Maybe those are the results of actions that we've taken and the standoffs that we experience. Perhaps squares are conflicts that ne aren't necessarily our fault. Now, this is a lot of hoops to jump through. And like I said, these are just developing seed ideas. You know, maybe this is Venus, Uranus talking. And don't, don't hold me to those, but it's something I'm playing with. Maybe you can play with it. All right. So we have this positive sextile. Um, I've been exploring kind of like synodic cycles of these, these uh, outer planet transits as well. And this is the crescent phase of the relationship between the sun and Jupiter. There was a conjunction that happened here in Capricorn on the 27th of December, 2019. That was the seed moment. And now we're coming to a point of mobilizing resources to help us manifest whatever that vision was. So these two planets came together at five degrees Capricorn. And that was a place where we were deciding where we wanted to plant our seeds, right? It was a juggling a lot of different uh, possibilities. And now we may be seeing uh, a moment where we've decided and we, we decided what we want to do. And now we're possibly getting some positive support for whatever we wanted to build. Okay. Um, now, this the sun being in the third decan of Pisces, perhaps this is a moment where we're being asked to sacrifice something for that ideal. Perhaps we are willing to sacrifice something and we have to have an awareness, the sun, of what is necessary if, to sacrifice if we want to achieve the goal that we've set for ourselves. We haven't really achieved it yet. We may see the result, the opposition, when we, when we have the sun opposing Jupiter uh, later in the summer, right? But here may be a point where we, are, we just have a, a, a clarity about what is necessary to move forward and what, what resources we need to mobilize to move forward towards the dream. We may see, receive some support from an authority figure. Jupiter rules teachers. Uh, it's in an area of a zodiac that is very um, solar, and solar things are like people that are authority figures. Okay, So we may get some sort of responsibility given to us that may require some sacrifice. That's another possible manifestation. Um, so yeah, be careful of, of grandiosity, arrogance. That's another thing that could happen with Jupiter, sun contacts. Uh, we may be experiencing uh, some epic qualities to our, uh, to our, to our visions. Um, 
yeah, all the things I've been saying about Jupiter apply too. Be careful of uh, selfish motivations for material gain. Um, but we may get a burst of solar vitality with this too. Um, one other note I had was, remember, Jupiter is, uh, according to Robert Schmidt, distributive justice. Whereas Saturn was punitive, punitive, I can't even say it, punitive justice. So this may be something where we're seeing the result of work that we've done, of, the, of our own merit, of our own integrity, of our own hard work, and we're getting a glimpse into what the possibilities could be as we move through this Jupiter-Sun cycle, okay? Careful of emotional extremes. Uh, this, this could be where our emotional extremes are blown a little bit out of proportion with the contact with Jupiter, too. There's going to be some ups and downs to manifesting your vision. And really, if you really want to uh, get in touch with the Saturnian quality, that's when the sobriety is important, where we are, we are, remember, Saturn was exalted in Libra. So balance is the key, right? Really just balancing out those emotions and not getting too high or too low. So that's, I think, what's going to go on with this uh, Sun-Jupiter sextile on Wednesday the 11th. Let's move forward, shall we? Sh -sh -sh shall we? Thursday the 12th. On Thursday the 12th, the moon moves into Scorpio at 5.28 a.m. Before that, the moon will be making a sextile uh, to, I'm sorry, no, it'll be making a trine to Mercury at about 3 a.m. Okay, so here we can see the moon at 28 degrees Libra, trining Mercury at 28 uh, Aquarius. Test this out. Test this theory I have out. Is there something, some gift that's given due to the actions that you took uh, that you experienced? Maybe late Wednesday, uh, some harmonious conversation between the moon and Mercury in your life, between the Libra-ruled area of your chart and the Aquarius-ruled area of your chart. Curious if that those types of things manifest. On the flip side, at 4.11 a.m., there is a square between the moon and Saturn. So there may be some sort of roadblock that you come into that potentially is not uh, a, from your own fault, right? It may be something that is just inherent in the system. It could be some kind of wall in the system that you have to come over, that you have to overcome, right? Some limitation that you come across that, you know, and try not to get so frustrated about it because it may not be anything that you did. It may just be part of the reality of pursuing your dream. Uh, at 12.13 p.m., after the moon has moved into Scorpio, let's see where my cursor go here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think I ran out of battery in my mouse. Oh, well. Trackpad for the win. Um, <laughs> thanks, Mercury. Uh, the moon is going to oppose Uranus at 12.13 p.m. at 4 degrees. And this is the exact degree. This is the exact degree that uh, we had the conjunction between Venus and Uranus. So if we move forward and we look at our chart here. This may be some kind of challenge to whatever seed that you planted on Sunday or whatever ideas that you came up with. There's some kind of challenge. And my drawings may be a little funky now because I, I don't have my mouse. Oh, there it is. It's back. No, it's 
not back. Is it back? It's back. It's back. Yay. <laughs> Those of you listening in just on the audio are probably like, oh man, what the hell is going on? Okay, but yeah, we can see there's an opposition here right at that degree of where we had the, the conjunction. So that may be some sort of challenge, some sort of limitation, some sort of merit-based punitive, punitive, punitive justice. By, by the end of this uh, podcast, I'll be able to say punitive with only one NI. <laughs> um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, remember, the, the moon is in its fall. So this may be uh, a little bit of a challenge bringing something into manifestation too. This may be a difficulty, uh, a, a no, a cosmic Saturnian no in bringing a, this uh, Venus Uranus seed into, into being, okay? Or a challenge to it. The moon will also be making an opposition to Venus at 7.10 p.m. So again, it's going to be all part of this Thing that had a seed on Sunday, right now, today, as I'm recording this. So uh, look for the results of anything that you may have started on Sunday to have some sort of uh, full moon-ish type of experience on the 12th. Now, there's all sorts of different types of full moon experiences. There will be another experience where when venus moves into scorpio and goes through all the way through the zodiac and ends up in scorpio where we'll have another manifestation or full moon moment okay so that's the other thing to think about so many things are happening concurrently with astrology that we have all these different layers happening all at once and that's where it can be a little bit difficult but this is the the beauty of it and the beauty of the complexity is is you know if the divine is omnipotent and all-powerful it's able to keep all these plates spinning in the air without even trying right and as human beings we are you know reflections of that but maybe not not as powerful as that and that's why we feel frustrated when we're trying to manage too many things at once i think that's part of it too all right so our full moon will be turning into a disseminating moon on this day also and the disseminating moon phase is when we are starting to distribute the realizations that we came to or the, the clarity that we, uh, or, the, or the, you know, the vision that we manifested at the full moon. And we are casting the seeds out. We've enclosed the spiritual vision into matter, into a seed. And now we're distributing those like Johnny Appleseed all across the nation and planting trees everywhere that we go. And it, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be anything necessarily like uh, physical, it could be an idea that is starting to take root and you're starting to share it with other people or, or things like that. So a lot of the um, things that we have now are like kind of like intellectual things like ideas, intellectual property or stuff like that. And those are becoming more and more quote unquote tangible in, in our, you know, as we move towards uh, more of an air sign consciousness rather than an earth sign consciousness with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that's happening later this year, which happens only once every 200 plus years. We're, we're moving more in tor towards that kind of cloud thinking rather than being fixated on material reality. And I'll talk about that in a video later. Um, but let's move over to Friday. But, but actually, before I go, before I go Thursday, um, one thing I wanted you to keep note of is that 
Jupiter will be making, uh, will be applying to Pluto within an orb of three degrees, which is called a calasis, uh on Friday or on Thursday. Sorry, on Thursday. Sorry, I'm fading here. Um, and this is where we may start seeing the power, the urge to power, the will to power uh, starting to blow up a little bit. And this kind of like, we may see this in the collective too with authority figures, with teachers uh, gaining power or pursuing power. Um, this is where the, maybe the dark side of power uh, starts to come up where we're having to deal with something from the underworld and purge or purify it or get rid of some sort of corruption like a volcanic eruption uh, that may happen. I'm not saying a volcano, a volcano literally will erupt, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did with Pluto and uh, Jupiter coming together. Um, but just a strong urge to expand our personal and material power and authority. Uh, this could be a moment of excessive ambition um, or religious dogma, right? Remember, because we're trying to find a spiritual ideal, but it's coming in contact with that really like underworld type of experience. And this aspect will be exact on the 4th of April at 24 degrees of Capricorn. So we have a buildup for the next few weeks where this is going to get stronger and more intense and hit a peak at the beginning of that uh, month. So I would just be careful. Just, just be aware. If you feel urges based on your beliefs to, to grab power, I want you to really examine that and really, really try to figure out what's at stake um, because this is a fallen, fallen Jupiter. It may not be in your best interest. You may be pursuing something that is, uh, cannot possibly bring you in contact with your spirit. Uh, like I said, it could be that Tower of Babel moment where the dream that you're pursuing is shown to be just selfishly motivated by you know, materiality. Not to say that materiality is bad, but if we are, uh, the, the goal, I guess, is to marry the two together, like spirit and matter. But if we are fixated just on the matter part, that's when we get into trouble, right? Okay, let's move to Friday. Okay, on Friday, the 13th, Friday the 13th, bum, bum, bum. We have Friday the 13th with a Scorpio moon. Dark, dark. This may be one of those actual Friday the 13th where we are experiencing some funky darkness. Um, maybe not, though. Because to, to be honest with you, what I'm seeing aspectually is the moon is going to be making a number of positive sextiles to all this Capricorn stuff, this giant Capricorn stellium, okay? It's going to be contacting each one of those planets, Mars, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn over the course of the day. And then it's going to be making a trine to the sun and Neptune, okay? So positive contacts from the moon. So even though the moon is in its fall, even though Jupiter is in its fall, Mars will be exalted. Uh, Saturn's in its own domicile. Uh, Neptune is Neptune, and the Sun is is 
in that martyr position, right? And as we move through Scorpio, we may see us benefiting potentially from some sort of negative circumstance. When we have planets in fall, a lot of times it, when we see harmonious contact with them, we're, we're seeing like something good coming out of what could be generally thought of as, as bad. It's like the silver lining, right? So if something challenging happens with your relationships or things like that, if we can hang on till Friday, we may see some benefit come out of that, maybe possibly out of negative uh, circumstances as well, or from feeling like we're starting from a lowered position. Uh, any planet in its fall was said to be sort of like at the bottom of a well, okay? Like it was kind of looking out and only able to see a tiny little fraction of light. Uh, it, was, it was at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. So, so be willing to start again through a more humble, uh, from a more humble position. And that may bring you some benefit as we move forward through our weekend, okay? All right. On Saturday the 14th, we have another very active day. I'm skipping through Friday a little bit because we're probably nearing the hour and a half, two hour mark here again. And we still have some stuff to talk about. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. All right. So on Saturday, Sunday, there's not a whole lot going on. So Saturday will be our day. All right. At 7 a.m., the moon moves into Sagittarius. Um, there. Okay. And we're in our disseminating phase. We're going to be seeing uh, before the moon moves into Sagittarius, the moon will make a square to Mercury at 5.35 a.m. So there may be some communication issue that comes up uh, that needs to be dealt with maybe late Friday night after all those positive uh, aspects happen with the Capricorn and Piscean planets. We have some one last mercurial snafu that may may come up uh, before Mercury moves back into Pisces here. So dealing with something uh, re that was maybe messed up during the retrograde or something like that. So keep your eyes peeled for that. At 6.06 a.m., the moon will be making a sextile to Saturn, uh, as we were looking at last uh yesterday and Friday, the day before. Uh, and then the first non-lunar aspect of the day, Mars will be making a supportive sextile to Neptune at 6.31 a.m. So we'll unpack that. And then at 7.09 a.m., the moon will move into Sagittarius. And at 12.46 p.m., the sun will make a supportive sextile to Pluto. All right. Now, underlying all of these non-lunar aspects is another shift that we have to talk about that happens at 5 a.m. where Venus is moving into the second decade of Taurus. So a little bit of a different flavor for Venus in Taurus. Uh, in the first decade, I believe the first decade is Mercury ruled, okay? It, it is take, puts on the mask of Mercury. So there's a planning phase in that first decade of Taurus. Uh, we're communicating our desires, our, what we want to plant, the seeds we want to plant. We're preparing the land to become fertile. Uh, and when we move into this moon face of Taurus, moon-ruled face, we're seeing an ability to manifest and bring things into being. And one of the things that we talk about with Venus in Taurus 2 
the card that we think about is the six of pentacles. We're moving from the five of pentacles where we see two figures. I'm going to stop my share for just a second here so you can see these a little better. Okay, so we're seeing the five of pentacles was Taurus one, all right, where we see two figures that were kind of destitute and there was a fear or worry of being poor that, that maybe uh, initiates the desire to plant new seeds and to work the field and to do the hard work necessary to, to bring about new forms of support and manifestation. So if we do that work, we may have the resources that are, uh, allow us to be a philanthropist of some sort. Or on the flip side, we may be receiving benefits from some sort of wealthy benefactor. That's another way this could play out. So you could see the two figures here are now receiving something that they needed. So this is a fertile, this is a very fertile decan of the Zodiac. This is about, there's, it's a very luxurious area of the Zodiac. Uh, it, it is, we may find with Venus here that we have ta our tastes become very expensive. Um, we could see the, the fruits of virtue practiced over time. So patience becomes the virtue and consistency. I think this is, this is the middle decan of a fixed sign. So to create the, uh, the type of fertility that we're looking for in our life, whether it's material, spiritual, whatever, we have to consistently water and fertilize the field. And that can't be rushed. This is what I'm really starting to get an understanding of Taurus here, uh, a lot more with all these garden metaphors and thinking about why, like say you're a son in Taurus, you're not going to be rushed because you know, it, you're not going to be able to rush uh, the plant or seed into growing into a fully mature plant. It, it's going to grow at its own pace that is inherent within it. Now, that doesn't mean you can't nudge it along. doesn't mean you can't give it everything it needs to grow to its fullest potential like water, nutrients, a fertile field, protection from the wind, just the right amount of sunlight. But if you water it four times in one day, you'll drown it. You know, this is why, like, say you're a Taurus sun in the second decade of Taurus, you're not going to be rushed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you realize you have to, like, you're like, wait a minute, why would I rush to do this? Like, that's not how nature works. Okay. And uh, th this is something where, and that's where we can run into problems too if we get fixated uh, on this is sometimes there are situations in life that require uh, a burst of energy. Um, there are crises. And its opposite, Scorpio, is, very, is said to be very good in a crisis, right? Because it's Mars. It's like Mars is the short burst of energy, right? The short distance sprinter that is able to put out a, an, a large amount of will and necessary power or action to move forward. And that is the opposite in the nature of this area of the Zodiac in Taurus, where it's slow and steady wins the race. Okay. So we think about this as dedication to the craft. Uh, Austin Coppock calls this the, the linga yoni, like the, the ability of the, um, I don't even know how to say this without being too crass. You know what? A Shiva lingam is like a, it looks like this. It's, this isn't a lingam, but it's, this is a, uh, if I, you can't see this if you're listening on the thing, but this is a, uh, a lapis lazuli that is sort of shaped 
like a phallus or it has a phallic shape. And when we have a plow, we have a phallus that is digging in the fertile ground and is digging it up and, and the earth is receiving that plow, right? Just as uh, when we have a sexual union, we have one uh, member that is being received by another, okay? That's the most diplomatic way I can say that. So uh, <laughs> it was... <laughs> get it okay like i just made a very lewd gesture for those of you at the, on the listening of the podcast um anyway thanks thanks venus uranus for, for uh we're we're really getting into the heart of that aspect right now as i'm recording this um but yeah it's the sexual union and we we are seeing this fertility that happens through slow undulation of that repeat, repeated effort through time okay uh, now, let's go back to the chart here. And we can think about this with Venus in this area. If we're extrapolating out my thoughts as Venus is cathar catharsis to our emotions, our strong emotions, being uh, responsible for the purity of the drama, so to speak, uh, getting out there and, and the way that you're able to regulate our feelings or everything that's buried deep is just through regular, spiritual, earthy, grounded practice every day. It's not like we just pray for five hours one day and then we don't do it for a week. No, we set a period of time that it works for us and we, we are devoted to it. There's devotion inherent in this area of the zodiac. And if you're trying to do something ritualistically, which Venus is very, uh, very much associated with, it helps to do it daily it helps to do it in a consistent fashion that's how we really make the material gains if you're trying to grow something if you're trying to nurture something you need to provide it for the environment that it will be helpful for it uh every day okay so what do you want to grow the seed that was planted with the conjunction at uranus how do you begin to nurture that right it, it, as it moves into the second deck and find a rhythm and this is a, there's a little bit of a balance that is spoken about in this deck and a balance between work and play too. You can do the hard work, but at a certain period of time, you can't work the land anymore. You just have to rest and go enjoy the sunset and go for a walk or go do something fun. So do the work that is necessary to continue the process of growth, but then learn to enjoy yourself and smell the flowers a little bit. This area of the Zodiac was associated with Beltane, May 1st, May Day. And this is a celebration of, of the spring and then like of the fertility and, and fertility rites and things of that nature. So uh, go on and enjoy yourself a little bit, but maybe not too much because you want to be careful of your spending with this position of, of Venus as well. Let the good things come to you. You don't have to go pursue them. Okay. You just have to be yourself and the good things will come to you. All right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Mars and Neptune. I'm just going to go through this a little quickly. Uh, Mars sextiling Neptune has uh, from 18 degrees Capricorn and, Nep and Capricorn and Neptune, Capricorn and Pisces. Okay, so this is where we may be seeing some supportive actions that we're taking or that we have taken in the past. Or again, if I'm thinking about sextiles as the result of venus perhaps these are actions out in the world or that are you know 
some something good's just coming to us. Maybe maybe as a result of a past action, or maybe just as a result of fortune. Okay, um, this is a last quarter or balsamic phase of this of this Mars Neptune interaction that where the seed was planted on the seventh of of December 2018 at 13 degrees of Pisces. So this is I think what we're going to see here is. Um, a ref- we're going to start reflecting on what types of actions that we took out in the world and what has that yielded. Uh, Mars is in a place where we're, he's thinking about the plan, the blueprint. And Neptune is in a place where he is maybe helping us understand the spiritual reality or the spiritual ideal. Okay. And this may be a time of, of taking just a very, of actions that are flowing, of allowing the flow of life to happen, of having a synergy between uh, your martial um, will and the receptive spiritual ideal that you're going for. This could be seeing, you could be reaping, reaping, which is the kind of the balsamic last quarter phase, uh, the benefits of planning. Uh, this could be a point in time where you don't have to force things. This could be an, a point of enlightened non-action uh, where you may be losing steam too. This may be where you're, you're just starting to feel a little fatigue too. Uh, I know that as the sun and Neptune are making contact, and I, I guess in my own chart, the sun is the ruler of my first house. So that's associated with the body. So I could see why that would be a little bit of a fatigue type of thing for me personally. But, but maybe there is an area of your life where the, your will is starting to drain a little bit, where you don't maybe have the same will for something that you used to. Um, so you have to kind of uh, be a little bit more efficient with how you use your, your energy, okay? This may be about consolidating the wisdom that you've learned over the last few years into a seed that's going to be planted again at the new Mars-Neptune cycle, which begins on the 13th of June of this year. So this is kind of like aligning with the Tao, um, you know, going with the flow uh, and taking actions potentially towards merging with your vision. Okay, the last thing that we have for this week, besides one little uh, lunar aspect on Sunday, is the sun making a sextile to Pluto at 24 degrees. And this is happening almost concurrently with the Mars sextile. So this is all wrapped up together. So this may be a point, similarly, where we are having a something that is supportive uh, that's coming to us. Now, this is a crescent phase of the Sun-Pluto conjunction that happened on the 13th of January this year. So this may be another point in time where we are trying to mobilize resources, okay, that's crescent phase actions, to, to manifesting whatever seed was planted on the 13th of January. Now, we're seeing an interaction between the Ten of Cups, the Sun, Okay, and the four of pentacles, Pluto. So we may be trying to administrate uh, the vision, right? The four of pentacles is the administrator and the vision and sacrificing for the ideal being the sun. Um, This could be another point where we're sacrificing for power, where we're, you know, meeting with the need to make some sort of spiritual sacrifice to, 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 um, purify or transform or create a rebirth. Uh, this is also, I think of the sun as 
illuminating things and giving us an awareness of purpose as well. So if we think of sun as awareness, we could have an awareness, sun in Pisces, three, of what is necessary to achieve power or purge the corruption that we experienced in the Capricorn three ruled area of our chart. Okay. So this is where we may be aware of what, 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 is, what sacrifice is necessary to create a new start in the Capricorn area. Okay? That's with the structures of our life. We may have some support and transformation power. We may mobilize spiritual resources to deal with our rebirth. Okay. So yeah, that's a that's that's gonna be a really interesting day too, Saturday, March 14th. All right, and just the last thing that we have here going on, as if that wasn't enough. On Sunday the 15th. The last little thing we have at 3.51 p.m. is a square between the moon and Neptune, okay? So at about 18 degrees, we're going to have a square between the moon in Sagittarius and Neptune at 18 degrees. And that's building to our lunar square, okay, that happens on Monday, the last quarter moon, so to speak. Um, so we may, may lose some steam at this point. We may be trying to bring something into being and we're just like, oh, I just don't know how to get this done. Maybe a reconsidering type of, of experience. Uh, we had that new moon. Uh, so we may be like reevaluating how, what we've achieved and what we've been able to bring into manifestation. And that may feel a little bit disappointing if we weren't able to do everything we wanted to do, or we may feel like it's bringing us closer to our spirit. If, we're, if we've been uh, judicious about what we've tried to do, if we've really connected with our inner self, it may be a moment where we are feeling some sort of satisfaction as well. But this is a square, so this may be a, a, a friction point um, where the dream is not really matching up with the reality, and that, that could be a little bit disappointing. Um, try not to let that get you too down. Because again, the wheel keeps on spinning and it'll be over quickly. Okay, that is this week. That is a lot of things. Next week, looking ahead for the week of the 16th through the 22nd, on Monday the 16th, Mercury will be moving into Pisces, back into its exile, back into its fall. Again, do your taxes this week. Get all your information together. Uh, you'll have more clarity this week than you'll have in a, for a long time before tax season if you're in America or, or whatever. Just do anything that requires attention to detail and focus this week because you're going to lose some of that next week. Uh, we'll be experiencing the last quarter moon on Monday the 16th. And then uh, on Thursday the 19th, the sun will make a supportive sextile to Saturn. And on the same day is our spring equinox, very early this year. One of the earliest, I think, in, in recent history. Uh, so that sun will be moving into Aries and we'll, we'll do a deep dive into Aries significations and learn about the Mars ruled domicile, uh, where we are experiencing individual identity through separation from the parent plant or through being expelled from the cosmic womb. <laughs> uh, on Friday, the 20th, Mars will be conjoining Jupiter. So that'll be interesting. Big, big week, big week next week. Saturday on the 21st, Saturn dips its toe into Aquarius. So we'll, we'll have a big shift with that as well. And remember, it's going to retrograde a few months down the line, move back into Aquarius, I'm sorry, back into 
uh, Capricorn over the summer, but this is going to give us a taste of what to what we're going to expect with Saturn and Aquarius. And so look at the Aquarius ruled house uh, that you have in your chart and get ready for Saturn. Uh, the corrective influence uh, is going to be very prevalent there. On Sunday, the 22nd, there are a few supportive sextiles from Mercury to Uranus and Venus to Neptune. All right, we did it. <laughs> Many hours later, here we are. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you listening and making it this far with me. If you like what you hear, make sure that you're subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, on the YouTube channel, that you're leaving reviews on all things that you can leave. It always helps if you leave a review on my Facebook page or on my Apple Podcast page, or if you want to leave a comment or a like on the YouTube channel, that's always uh, good as well. I put links here for like a little tip jar thing with Venmo or with PayPal Me if you want to support the work that I do. Remember, the biggest thing that you can do to support me is to schedule a reading, and that and we get to know each other, and it's a lot of fun. I want to give a shout out to all my people in Finland. Uh, I'm finding out that I've had some really cool people in Finland that are spreading the word and of a traditional astrology, and I want to thank you for that. Um, and I'm for the next one, I'll learn some Finnish <laughs> to be able to say thank you in in uh, the the Nordic language. Hopefully, um, that'll be for the next time. And uh, yeah, I'm making an appearance. Uh, I just want to start floating this out there too. I'll be at the Enlightened Soul Center. Or the Enlightened Soul Expo, sorry, which is a, a, a two-day expo with a lot of metaphysical practitioners. Uh, they have people that sell crystals and do Reiki and do massage and do like psychic readings, tarot readings. Uh, there is a, I'm going to be there doing readings. Um, this is uh, the last weekend, last weekend? No, let me check. I think it's the 22nd and the 23rd in Saline, Michigan. So if you are in the area and you want to get a reading or meet me in person, I'll be there both of those days and we'll have a good time. And yeah, that's what I've got for this week. I hope that you are all doing well. Thanks again for going on these journeys with me. I appreciate all of you and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Peace. <laughs>